0: Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number eight. Well, I hope you've been having a great morning wherever you are. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for waking us to a brand new day. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you for your word which reveals to us the wonderful gift of salvation. And now as we've come aside to reflect upon that word, we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us in the understanding of it and we ask this in and through the name of Jesus your dear and beloved son amen well if this is the first time you've tuned in in our current series of meditations we've been going through the life of Jacob last week we looked at his early years this week we're looking at Jacob buying the birthright and i say buying in inverted commas because if you ask me it was an actual steal literally Jacob had longed for the birthright for so long that in the opportunity of a moment, he took advantage of his brother's weakness and effectively stole Esau's birthright. That act cost Jacob dearly, as we'll see. In our last episode, we learned the initial price on offer, a bowl of red lentils. In his extremity, Esau confirmed the transaction by an oath. How unbelievable is that? I find it hard to fathom how he could become so careless with something so valuable. In her book, Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White comments, a short time at most would have secured him, that's Esau, food in his father's tents. But to satisfy the desire of the moment, he carelessly bartered the glorious heritage that God himself had promised to his fathers. His whole interest was in the present. He was ready to sacrifice the heavenly to the earthly, to exchange a future good for a momentary indulgence. That's Patriarchs and Prophets, page 79. Now, isn't that what a lot of people end up doing today? In the desire of the moment, appetite gets the better of them, and they sacrifice their principles and integrity for momentary pleasure. Instead of walking in the spirit, as we learned in our previous episodes, keeping the body under control, they give in to the weakness of human nature. As children of God, we need to remember that we have an enemy out there who is trying to take advantage of our weakness every moment of every day. Our only defense against this enemy is the word of God, cherished in the heart, that allows God's spirit to reign. Remember the song, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now let me share with you a passage from The Desire of Ages, a beautiful book on the life of Christ, and this is on page 324, one of my favorite passages in the book here. And it explains this um, reality of the enemy within that we need to, well, not just the enemy within, but sorry, the enemy without, that is trying to uh, get within us to cause us to stumble and fall. Now It says here, it's not necessary for us deliberately to choose the service of the kingdom of darkness in order to come under its dominion. We have only to neglect to ally ourselves with the kingdom of light. If we do not cooperate with the heavenly agencies, Satan will take possession of the heart and will make it his abiding place. The only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. Unless we become vitally connected with God, we can never resist the unhallowed effects of self-love, self-indulgence and temptation to sin. We may live off many bad habits, for the time we may part company with Satan, but without a vital connection with God, Through the surrender of ourselves, note this, through the surrender of ourselves to him, moment by moment, we shall be overcome. Without a personal acquaintance with Christ and a continual communion, we are at the mercy of the enemy and shall do his bidding in the end. Now, did you note that from this passage that we don't have to make a deliberate decision to serve Satan, we just have to to neglect, to put ourselves on the side of God. So that's what we want to do every day. Put ourselves, surrender ourselves to God every day, make that vital connection with Him, have that personal acquaintance with God that we so much need. In our story so far, it seems that neither brother had made such a personal acquaintance with God. Each made a bad decision. Jacob's to satisfy the desire of a lifetime, and Esau's to satisfy the desire of a moment. But neither satisfied the will of God. We read in the next verse, Genesis 25 verse 34, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word despised is the Hebrew word Baza. In our King James Version of the Bible, it's been translated as uh, disdain and contem, that is, to hold in contempt. Its basic meaning is to accord little worth to something. Now, I don't think Esau would have regarded the material possessions of his father as of little worth. You see, Isaac was a very rich man, as we learned in a previous episode. And Esau was pretty much focused on the material aspects of life. I mean, he was due a double portion as the firstborn son, a double portion of his father's wealth. But what was it then that he despised? Well, in episode number four, Birthday Blessings Who Gets Them, we learned that the birthright not only brought a double portion of the father's wealth, but the privileges of the spiritual promises made to Abraham. And with those privileges went responsibilities. As the firstborn son, Esau was required to devote his life to the service of God, to be a light for him in the world, an example of faith and obedience like his grandfather Abraham. Whether it was marriage, his family relations or public life, he was to consult the will of God. Now, knowing the type of character Esau was, I believe he despised this part of the birthright, the part that placed the eternal above the temporal. You know, God uses the same word, beza, despise, to express the attitude of someone who is disobedient to him. When David committed adultery, God said, You have despised me. That's Second Samuel 12 and verse 10. Thou hast despised me. And he uses it again only quite strongly in his rebuke of the priests in Israel, those who failed in their duties to teach God's will to the people. Now I'm reading from Malachi 1, verses 6 and 7. And and, uh, this is what uh, God says uh, of these priests. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priest that despise my name, and you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And verse 12, But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. And in Malachi two verse nine, therefore I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people, and according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in my law. I believe this was now the case with Esau. He had despised what God had chosen, so God would condemn him as a nation to insignificance. The elder would indeed serve the younger, but more sadly, his nation, and their heritage would become a wasteland. Esau could not see beyond the moment. He sold his birthright for a pot of lentils. Now he could do as he liked, without restraint. With incredible insight into our times, I believe, Alan White reflects in a book, Patriarchs and Prophets, for this wild pleasure, miscalled freedom, how many are still selling their birthright. To an inheritance pure and undefiled, eternal in the heavens. Now, in God's treatment of the two brothers, many centuries later Malachi was inspired to write in his complaint against the nation of Israel, which, which were Jacob's descendants I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. You see, Malachi chapters 1 and verses 2 and 3 here, in context, is describing the history of Jacob and Esau's descendants. The mountain where Esau's descendants ended up residing and their heritage was laid waste. In episode 4, Birthday Blessings, who gets them, we saw why. Obadiah chapter 1 tells us it was because of Edom's violence against his brother Jacob. Check that episode out for the details. So what we are seeing here is a characteristic of the Bible to use the name of the Father as the representative of their descendants as a nation. Now in verse 13 of Romans 9, Paul actually quotes from Malachi in explaining the fate of the Jews as a nation in his time. Let's have a look here. Romans 9 verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, some people might find this language hard to understand. Esau have I hated. Does it mean God actually hated Esau? I don't think so. You see, we need to understand that these expressions were commonly used in Bible times to denote the preference of one thing over and above another. Jesus used the same expression in Luke 14 and verse 26. Jesus said here, If any man come to me... And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his life also, he cannot be my disciples. Now, to understand what Jesus was meaning, that it was not that we have to hate our father or mother or brother or sister or even our lives, but rather that Matthew 10, verse 37 puts it this way, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus didn't mean that we are to hate our parents or spouse or children to be his disciple. But if we give them the first place in our preferences over and above our duty to God, then we are counted as loving them more than we love God. So when it says God loved Jacob and hated Esau, It was really meaning that God preferred Jacob above Esau in the choice of which brother would become the inheritor of the birthright and thus the chosen nation through whom God planned to bless the world. This was God's prerogative. God reserves to himself the freedom to deal with men according to his own divine purposes. In this case, God chose to exalt Jacob's descendants not only above Edom, but above all nations of the earth. Through the chosen nation, God would make known the knowledge of his will. The reality of you listening to this podcast today is a result of that choice God made almost 4,000 years ago. Is God then unjust in preferring one above another? God forbid, as Paul put it in Romans 9.14. Now, a lot of Christians misunderstand Romans 9. You see, Romans 9 is not talking about personal salvation. As far as individuals are concerned, God seeks the salvation of everyone. We read that in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. It says, talking about God as our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God in his wisdom chooses the agencies that he wants to use to carry out his purposes. That's his prerogative. If those chosen fail God, he chooses others. That's what Romans 9 is all about. The wonderful news is that God has chosen us, the Gentiles, as it were, to carry out his purpose in the world today. And that purpose is to accept And then share the wonderful news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation from sin, both its guilt and its power. And an assurance of eternal life in this world made new again. That's God's birthright promise to us. So my appeal to you today is to claim that promise for yourself. And then then once you've accepted it, then proclaim it to others. Dear Father in Heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We thank you for this wonderful assurance of salvation in Jesus. We thank you for the birthright promise that that we can have an inheritance in this world made new again, that we can have and in, in, in enjoy eternal life with, with you, with Jesus, with uh, all of our loved ones, our, all the redeemed, and together we can uh, live a life of righteousness and peace and joy, not just in that new world, but right here today. So I pray that we will accept you into our life today, that we'll make that surrender that's so important for us in order to be secure from the devices of the enemy, in order to make sure that we are no matter what temptations come our way, that we will always put you first in everything. So may this be our experience today. Keep us in your will and your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the 7am Bible. I hope you've enjoyed the meditation this morning. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing today, I trust and pray you'll have a great day. So till next time, take care. God bless. And I look forward to you joining me Again, for the 7am Bible. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. No Scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus. learns my destiny. No power of care.